DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We are joined now by Oliver Maroney, host of the Positionless Podcast, covers the NBA and the Big Three, and he joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Sprint's a national network built for unlimited service with great deals on great devices every day. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Oliver, good morning. Hey, good morning. How's it going? Good. So, Oliver, the countdown is on to free agency on Sunday what are you expecting? Or is it really even at this point you don't dare predict because you just look foolish because someone can just change their mind just because they change their mind and that's the way it is? Man, it's, it's tough. I think the one thing that uh, sticks out to me is, you know, New York, L.A., historically big markets that have gotten big-name free agents, but not in recent memory, uh, are – potentially in the running for some of these guys. You talk about Kyrie Irving, you talk about Kawhi Leonard, Kevin Durant, some of the other names that have been floated out there. Um, and then you have these like second tier, I guess, in those big markets with the Clippers and, and the Nets um, that could be vying for those same guys. And I think it's interesting because we've never really seen that before in the NBA. So for me, it's, it's the big markets and what ends up happening there. Uh, do free agents end up coming because of the name, do they come because uh, they have stability there, they like the coaching, they like the culture. Um, so I think just like the idea behind each free agent's decision and why they choose where they choose, I think is the most interesting part of this this whole portion of the summer. So I agree with all that. I'm also interested in, in the, particularly the West, obviously the Jazz are in the West, and we follow the West big time, inside and out, and we've seen – you know, the Lakers have made the move. The Jazz have the Mike Conley thing. The Clippers, we're seeing about Kawhi Leonard. Houston, we're not sure what's going on. I'm wondering about a couple of teams that are in direct competition for the Jazz, literally even in their division, with Portland and Denver, with people doing things, with teams around them doing things. What do you see them doing? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think Portland is in a position where they could potentially offload a couple of these contracts. They have a lot of expiring contracts now. I think Evan Turner's in that situation. Uh, Al Farouk Camino is a free agent at this point. Um, Mo Harkless, uh, a couple other names that have signed, you know, these longer term deals. They're, they're high, high dollar expiring contracts. So teams that are looking to tank or looking to potentially build till next season or just looking for a, a, a player that can be of use for a season and then they can let him go and they can have their cap space, uh, that could be intriguing. You know, I think that's more of a deadline deadline day deal than it is potentially um, a summer deal. But those, those, those teams, I mean, specifically Portland with the expiring contracts that they have available to them, uh, it is an interesting play. The other option here, too, and, and you think about the Denver Nuggets, they've, they haven't had Michael Porter Jr., uh, healthy. And I think that's like an addition just there. Uh, you know, it's, it's like going out and getting one of these, uh, not maybe not marquee free agents, but another player. Um, you know, I, I've seen this guy play in high school. He's one of the most impressive high school basketball players I've ever seen. And so uh, I'm curious to see what he does at the next level. I'm curious to see when he comes back. But if he does, I think Denver is getting an, an incredible basketball player um, and someone who could make up for maybe the lack of free agent movement for Denver. And then you look at you know Utah, I think Utah is poised and in position. Uh, I've said it before, I'll say it again. I think, first of all, they're in position to potentially get you know a wing. Uh, we've heard the names out there, Bobby Portis, 
um, has interest. And there's a few other guys, I think, that would have interest in, in a team like Utah, specifically when you add a guy like Mike Conley to the mix. Uh, Mike Conley spoke with me not too long ago and said his number one goal in the NBA right now is to win a championship. So uh, I think Utah traded for him with that idea in mind. And um, I, I wouldn't be shocked to see them make a, make a couple of more moves before the, uh, before the summer's over. Do you think Houston, for all the talk about, okay, the stars don't get along, the GM is promising that there's going to be changes, is that really going to happen? Or given the contracts and the way they're structured and the big money, they are who they are? I think, you know, they still have some flexibility. We saw what Daryl Morey did <laughs> leading up to February and right after, you know, buyout season, getting a guy like Austin Rivers for nothing. Uh, getting a guy like Amon Shumpert for a first-round pick. Um, so he's, he's capable of making moves and, and being flexible and doing the right thing. So I think, you know, they still have some flexibility. Even though the cap space doesn't tell you they do, uh, I think they still do. And I think they can go out there and make some moves, make some noise if they'd like to. Um, I, I think the Chris Paul-James Harden rift is probably a little bit overblown. Um, I know Daryl Morey's come out and said that a few times, but I think the rift between – those guys is, is certainly overblown. So the Lakers got their star that they were looking for to pair him with LeBron, and they gave up about half of the roster, and I think they only have like five guys under contract now. Do they go for another heavy hitter, big-time player, or do they try to spread it out more? Uh, you know, I would hope that they spread it out more, but I think they're going to go for a, a, a big-time player at this point. Um, it sounds to me like, you know, the guys they're looking at, you know, the Jimmy Butlers, the Kawhi Leonard's, the, the big-time names are, are the guys they're going to try and go after. And if they don't get them, then, then obviously you look lower down the list, maybe a Chris Middleton or um, some of these other names that have been rumored or floated around. But I, I would like to see them go out and get, you know, three to four mid-level exception type players, guys who are in that seven to ten million range if they're willing to take it. And, uh, you know, a guy like J.J. Redick, uh, maybe a guy like Patrick Beverly, guys like that, and start establishing kind of a culture and, and, and get guys around those, those two um, to make them better. Are the Warriors going to re-up dunk, uh, Kevin Durant so that they can trade him down the line? Or is that uh, too risky, too bold? It sounds good, but you wouldn't actually do it. Yeah, it, yeah, I don't think I would do I, – I, I don't know. It, you know, they'd have to have some real assurances that this is going to be a positive outlook and that things are going to go well for Kevin because I, I think uh, currently, um, you know, I just, I just don't know what kind of market there would be for a player like Kevin Durant in the trade market um, at that dollar amount. Uh, if he is injured and coming back from injury, you know, what teams would take flyers on him and, and trade a lot to get him. Uh, maybe Golden State does him a favor and just says, hey, we'll trade you for essentially anything and, and just, you know, highest bidder wins kind of situation and let Kevin kind of dictate that. But we haven't really seen that ever happen in the NBA where a player says, hey, I'm only willing to go X. I'm only going to go to this, this destination and we will re-sign you and then kind of accommodate that. So I think it'd be, you know, if there were a team to do it, I think the Warriors would be right up there at the top. They are pretty player first. They, they've, they've helped their players out in the long run a uh, number of times. So I, I wouldn't be surprised. And I'm sure there's a little bit of a level of guilt the way that Kevin Durant went out last this, this, this past offseason or postseason. 
So we see with the Warriors situation that the league went from a dominant team to knowing that which team is going to be in the finals to basically being wide open and you no longer can pick one or two teams as of right now, depending on what happens in the coming days. There might be as many as seven, eight teams, ten teams that you can predict going in the finals. Which do you think is better for the league? I think it's better to have parity. Uh, I like it where you don't really know what's going to go on in the West. Uh, I think it's better that way. Um, I think this season's going to be amazing because of that. You don't have a healthy Golden State coming in. And that's not to say that, you know, condolences to Kevin Durant and <clears throat> Clay Thompson for the injuries. But, um, you know, I think it's going to liven up the Western Conference. I think you're seeing that already. You know, Utah going out and making that move for Mike Conley was an indication of uh, where the Western Conference is at as a whole. Um, and I think you're going to look at teams like the Lakers, teams like the Trailblazers, teams like the Nuggets, Rockets, um, even a team like New Orleans who may have ne- not necessarily have seen this season as a, a time to compete. I think they should even look at themselves and say, hey, we have a ton of draft picks. We have a ton of players. Um, we've got a transcendent guy in Zion. And obviously you add that to Drew Holiday and all defense and all NBA guy. Um, I think they have a real shot. If, if they can get somebody in free agency, they've got the cap space to do it. They could make it happen. And that would be a team that could compete too. So I don't think there's necessarily one team out there that's going to be able to take the reins. And I like it that way. I, I think it adds, like I said, more parity. I think it adds more excitement to the league. Um, there's, there's this level of unknown and uncertainty that uh, I think we can appreciate as basketball fans. And not to say the Warriors aren't amazing to watch or incredible to see, um, but I think it's time for a change, and I think that's, that's coming this season. Oliver Maroney, host of the Positionless Podcast, covers the NBA in Big Three, joining us here. If Kawhi Leonard stays in Toronto, what is the Clippers' plan B? Ah, <sighs> uh, boy. I mean, re-sign Patrick Beverly and probably go out and try and get a guy like Chris Middleton is my guess. Uh, maybe go out and try and make a move if you need to make one. Uh, but I think they're going to be smart. You know, that organization has been ran, um, you know, past two seasons ago. Um, you know, they, they've been ran very well, and they've been strategic in their approach. They've finally built up to this. They've done all the right things. Uh, they've done quick rebuilds now and have a bunch of pieces. Um, but I, I think they're going to, you know, be smart and be diligent about it. They're not going to go out and spend – hundred million dollars on a player if they don't think he's worth it. So I, I, I don't think they're going to be, look, they may be panicking right now because they thought they were going to get Kawhi, but we, even without, I think they have a tons of opportunity to, to add lower, lower name free agents that could potentially um, give them the edge in, in a Western conference finals playoff series. If favors doesn't stay here in Utah, where do you think he would end up? That's a great question. Uh, Boston's been kind of the number, the place that I have thought about, but um, I think there's a lot of teams that would be interested. You know, um, throw throw potentially your division rivals into the mix. Uh, even a team like maybe Denver, um, maybe Portland. Uh, I know they'd have to try and figure out cap space, but uh, if they're willing to bring them in or want to bring them in, you know, they could potentially find a way to do that. So. I wouldn't be shocked if it's one of their division rivals. I also wouldn't be shocked if it's out east. 
Um, you know, obviously Boston, I think, is going to have a lot of cap space at this point with the Al Horford and Kyrie Irvings uh, of the world uh, taking a back seat and kind of um, figuring out what they want to do in free agency. But, uh, yeah, there, there's a few different teams I think that would fit. And then obviously can't rule out, you know, a team like L.A. or a team like um, New York just in case, you know, they, they, they swing to the fences and don't get anybody. Uh, that may be their backup plan. Things you mentioned, LA. Things really fell apart for them. You know, they last summer they got LeBron, but they thought they'd get someone else, and they didn't. They get off to a good start. LeBron gets hurt. Now they get AD. They want to get somebody else. It's not sure. Are they really going to be a lot better, or is there a chance that uh, they're going to wash, rinse, repeat here and have another really disappointing year? Yeah, I'm a little bit. I mean, I, I'm skeptical. Uh, look, they're two great players. I'm sure they can lead them to a playoff uh, berth, um, I guess you could say at this point, because L.A. hasn't been in the playoffs for quite some time. But, you know, who do you have around them? That's a big question. I mean, I'm sure guys like Carmelo Anthony and people like that could be mentioned as, you know, potential mid, uh, minimum guys that would that would put on the Lakers uniform and, and play. But, I mean, is that really going to help them achieve the goal of winning a championship and i just don't know uh i think there's a lot of unknowns even with anthony davis and his health and then you add in lebron james with as many minutes as he's played i mean there, there's there's look uh, he's he's had some time off but there is still a lot of room for uh skepticism about him coming back and playing at that exact level um for for the rest of this year and maybe next year you know that window is pretty short so I don't know. Uh, I, I, I am a little bit skeptical in the way that they're doing this. I think the trade that they made was a little bit desperate. Um, obviously, you go out and you get a guy like Anthony Davis, transcendent, top five player when he's healthy. But they gave up a lot, and they wagered a lot of their future for it. And I actually, you know, when you get the impression from the front office just a couple of seasons ago that they're going to do this differently, quote-unquote, than what Cleveland did, with LeBron James, uh, and, and now they're just basically replicating what they're doing, which is offloading everything for the future, wagering their future, gambling everything, and, and going after guys now, win now. Um, and you have to do that with LeBron James. I understand that. But I think you do have to be strategic and diligent, which I don't think they necessarily have been. You think this Rich Paul situation with him, with LeBron, and then Anthony Davis basically you know, having a lot of influence on this, is this something that the league needs to be aware of as far as a problem, or does it go away when LeBron retires? Uh, I, don't think, I don't think we need to be. I, I, you know, this is LeBron helping, not helping, but uh, I think this is LeBron putting his guy in the right situation, and then his guy can, you know, doing the greatest negotiating that great greatest negotiating that he possibly can um you know he's you've seen guys like Kentavious Caldwell Pope and guys like that from the Lakers organization get paid um but I think that's what the, the position that they put the Lakers in you know so um I, I think the only front office that I've seen operate with clutch well is uh David Griffin and and the Cleveland Cavaliers when they were together um I think that was a solid um push come to shove kind of relationship and I think they did a good job of not overpaying all the time um, getting the guys that LeBron wanted at the same time and having some consistency there uh, but they didn't allow the clutch sports 
brand to dictate everything. And it does sometimes feel like at the current moment that that is the case, you know, that they're going after clutch guys and they're drafting clutch players and things like that. But I don't know if that's necessarily, you know, if we can put those two together, you know, Anthony Davis is a top five player. Every team in the NBA would want him. And then you take a look at the draft pick that they got. He's 18. He's got tons of talent, um, probably should have been picked earlier. So maybe these are just coincidence and not necessarily something that clutch has any impact on, but maybe just a benefit for the Lakers to have, you know, the same guy repping a bunch of their players because um, that, that may benefit them in the long run. So, I don't think there's a huge issue with it. I, I do think that, you know, uh, like everything um, with LeBron and the way he conducts himself, I, I think he's very, very precise and calculated and understands every move that they're making. So, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't say it's a bad thing, but I, I definitely see where where people could see it that way. Oliver, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us, and uh, good luck covering free agency. It's going to be crazy. It'll be fun. Thank you very much.